0: and welcome to another rousing edition of Trending Topics with BB. I am your humble host, Brooke Brown, now hence the BB. Well, we are back with another rousing podcast episode, but I was informed my intros on the previous ones have gotten a little bit lengthy, so I will keep it as short as possible. So here I go head to trendingtopicswithbbpodcast.com. That is where you'll find anything and everything related to this podcast. If you have forgotten what I just said, which is trendingtopicswithbbpodcast.com, you can just Google Trending Topics with BB Podcast, and you will find pretty much every link that this podcast is associated with. But nonetheless, trendingtopicswithbbpodcast.com is the official website. Along those lines... If you are a Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or any of the like subscriber of podcasts, please leave a favorable rating and comment. It helps this podcast be found by other listeners, and hopefully you are finding it informative as well as entertaining. Well, with the housekeeping out of the way, I want to uh, introduce my guest, who actually was a previous guest, but the audio of that chat was lost due to the app we used two years ago. So fast forward to now, and we were able to record audio with updated technology. Uh, And as I mentioned, in the chat, uh, we are definitely a world away from each other. Uh, So the beauty of this new technology and the internet And such. Uh, But nonetheless, we connected through our mutual love of trance music. We go into a little bit about his background and a lot more. I'm talking about my chat with Costas W. Voltgerius. This episode of Trending Topics with BB is brought to you by Teeth Powder 2.0. Have you been looking for a toothpaste alternative that does not contain fluoride? Do you have sensitive teeth, bad gums, and overall bad oral hygiene? then Teeth Powder 2.0 is the product for you. Now, Teeth Powder 2.0 was developed out of the necessity to strengthen enamel, get rid of plaque, clean gums, and keep your oral health in tip-top shape. This product is exclusive to my listeners, and you can get your own 70-gram order for just $12 by heading to teethpowder.com, then clicking on the Products tab. Again, that is Teeth Powder, T-E-E-F-P-O-D. WDER.com, then clicking on that products tab to get your order. Now have a healthy and prosperous life with Teeth Powder 2.0.
1: We've been trying to reconnect after we chatted a few years ago. Um, yeah. So, so, um, I know you have a, a great blog and you've been doing a lot of re- reviews on trance. Um, it's kind of where we connected over the years is through trance. Um, so, to kind of start from the beginning, what drew you to trans music? Because everybody has a, a, an origin story.
2: Yeah, yeah, of course. There's a unique, almost everybody has a unique story in how they discovered it or whatnot. Mine was, um, in uh, 1999 when I went on a class trip to the island of Rhodes. Uh, before that, I wasn't into any kind of music, you know, I like kind of some film music, but beyond that, nothing really drew my attention enough that I would want to collect, you know, music or listen to a favorite artist or anything like that. So we went to a club, I remember it was called Size, and that was like a triple room uh, venue. And, uh, in one of the rooms, I was playing, you know, electronic music, which at the time I wasn't really familiar with, but I was like, wow, what is this? You know, I mean, tracks like ATB's, uh, The Summer and stuff like that. I remember it was a, I think a remix of Braveheart. And so it was like, wow, this is, this is the music that, you know, I was waiting for. This is what really I was passionate about. Like, you know, I found what interested me in music. Before that, it was nothing really specifically. So since then, I started, you know, to investigate and try to collect um, music and kind of try to be more involved. I mean, before that, there was no YouTube or any of that. So it was really, you know, lots of resources was involved.
1: Awesome. So before, like, so where, was there a big scene um, where you're from or was it just through your travels? That you were able to.
2: Uh, well, the thing is, in in Greece, I mean, especially on the islands. It, at the time after that, it was kind of started to the hype was building, and I mean, there was a let's say dance music was around in the clubs. Uh, after that, you could you know um, played out in different clubs, even here on the island, and especially of course Athens and bigger cities. And they were uh big name DJs and stuff like that, so it had a the hype was building. Uh, here, not so much, but we will have the opportunity of you know experiencing new tracks like uh, like stuff from Tiësto, Flight 643, Lethal Industry, that that stuff was being played out, and uh, it had a, mostly uh, diversity, you know. I mean, from top top forty type stuff, but they, occasionally you'd hear some trance, some house and that kind of stuff so you had the opportunity let's say to heal some of it and then via radio and stuff like that
1: okay so the industry at the time was was welcoming of that music um yeah yeah you mentioned mentioned radio now that was prior to like the explosion of youtube so when internet radio started, did, did that sort of change the way mainstream radio ad- adapted to trance?
2: Yeah, I think so. I mean, you will see in that even local stations, or even ones in Athens, and that they will embrace in uh, electronic music in general. Not so much trance, but you know, some uh, some progressive, some house, some trance. You know, the more let's say vocal-driven. And stuff like that. But you will see that, you know, people will get more involved. And uh, it was a good thing that some of the, let's say, known clubs at the time in the bigger cities were inviting people like Tiesto, Paul Oakenfold, uh, Sasa and Digweed, people like that to come and play, which all kind of inspired uh, local talent to kind of get into this. So it was like a, a good thing, that, you know, got the people more into this kind of music because before that, they were more, you know, a little bit of everything, or of course, the Greek music, which is what they, even till today, I mean, they're more into involved with. But this was a good a point in the, in the good direction.
1: So prior to that, were you into electronic music growing up? Or did you have sort of a affinity for, like you said, the local Greek music scene. No, or... no,
2: no, no, so, so. Uh, Like, like I said before, um, I didn't listen to any kind of music, Greek music. I, I hate to say it, but I detest it. I don't like it at all, uh, <laughs> which is like an anomaly. <laughs> um, but, uh, like I said, I, I mean, the only things I would like maybe hear some tracks and, and, you know, from my father's uh, records that, w- that were interesting enough, you know, like in rock music or, uh, stuff, maybe occasional stuff on the radio, maybe a bit of pop, but nothing enough to say, okay. I mean, I would be maybe at a cafe and hear that it would, it would be, mm, okay, it acceptable, but nothing that interested me enough. And yeah, since 99, when I discovered plants and electronic music in general, I became kind of religiously following that, you know, collecting CDs, collecting tunes, you know, only this and nothing else. And, you know, of course, trying to stay in contact with people that like this kind of stuff, going to clubs whenever there's this kind of music being played, you know, every weekend and stuff like that.
1: Great. So. Did you ever? You mentioned like um, it inspired a a local scene uh, when they started booking uh, great names. Did you ever aspire to be one of the those to join the scene in that way? Well,
2: uh, yeah, I think. I mean, I always at some point wanted to be involved, uh, either as let's say being a DJ locally or. Being on the radio. Um, the thing is, uh, no, there was never any point. I mean, I never got involved into playing at actual events, uh, but I always wanted to be on the radio, which I did at some point. Um, I think it was 2011, maybe. I may be mistaken. I think it was 2011, and I did start my own show called Hidden Sun. Uh, on a Greek station called Lightwave Radio in Patra. Uh, that more or less went over for like, uh, I think, two years. And then I was on another station called Generate. It was also from Patra. These were internet stations. And uh, after that, I went on to, uh, I think, on a Brazilian station called Raca Natura Mix. And that was like for like two years. And then on there, I went on to a French station, which was up to called Pure Hits with the same concept, you know, of the show. And that more or less lasted until um, last September, I think, because I kind of quitted myself because due to lack of time and other opportunities arising, I just did not have the time to do my show. So I didn't want to, you know, lack in quality or, you know, do a fast job. So I kind of left it myself. Now, at some point, I might come back. But right now, like I said, there's lots of stuff that I'm involved musically in the industry. So I don't have the time to do this, unfortunately.
1: Okay. Yeah, i would wondered because I had uh, tuned in a, uh, over the last year or so a few times when I could. And I really enjoyed yeah, yeah. it. Uh, Thank um, you. So. <laughs> uh, it, it, along those lines, I know you like like I mentioned when we first started talking. Uh, I, you have a blog like I have a blog, uh, but your blog um, trans dot right?
2: um dot n l yes yes
1: yeah yeah right. Um, it, it's really great. And you, you, we kind of have the same taste in Trance. I mean, you're a big Marcus Schultz fan like I am, and you like Cold Harbor.
2: Yes, of course. Um,
1: <laughs> what have... In, in, in doing your blog and, and the reviews and, and the highlights of the tracks and artists that you have, Oh, what has that done in terms of kind of Connecting with other, maybe, artists in the industry, because you said you've had other opportunities arise. Does that help? Yeah, yeah. Uh,
2: yes, yes. Kind of, kind of, well, for starters, yeah. Yeah, yeah, for starters, um, transfix.nl is a website, and um, it's not actually mine. Uh, it's uh, some guys from Holland. Uh, they invited me to start doing the reviews for them. Uh, I think it's been, like, two years now. Maybe more. And, uh, I'm a kind of, you know, a regular reviewer on the site. I also conduct uh, interviews, uh, written interviews with, uh, established artists. And I'm, uh, you know, a basic uh, player on that. So, and yeah, I do all my reviews for transfix.nl. Uh, always, uh, stuff for called Harbor. And, uh, I've also done for parallels and, um, Lots of labels, actually. I mean, there's a lot of great music coming out, so you try to cover as much as you can. Uh, of course, yes, all of this has helped me out very much, I would say. Um, lots of great opportunities have arisen from that, as in uh, I've had the opportunity to meet artists like uh, Marcus Souls numerous times, uh, Adina Butal, Fiselman from uh, Fisserman Hawkins, Isaac Vissels. And Anske and Marcus White, Lady V, uh, basically most of the Caldwell family. Uh, also, I had the opportunity to meet and interview Scott Bond, which is a legend, you know, from his Gate class days and all that. And uh, the guys, from actually, a lot of artists, like even Andy Moore, I met him last year at AD, not last year, 2017 at ADE. And, uh, several other artists so yeah i mean for me for me i got the opportunity to really have a chat and talk with people you know that i admired you know the music and uh, kind of get to know them as a person and uh also kind of spawn let's say kind of a friendship with some of them like with the uh, anske and Fiselman and uh, lady v adina a lot of them actually which uh Led to also meeting other people in the industry, like uh, managers and stuff like that, which one of them basically was uh, Scott Barnes manager. And uh, he is the guy that Morris invited me to my latest musical endeavor, which was uh, Epica Artists. Epica Artists is a management company. And since uh, last September, I was invited by the, the guy himself, by James. To become one of the managers on the company for epic artists so from then on i have been uh, learning along the way and managing artists and booking them you know for gigs like um uh, matt Daly, funk agenda colony there's a uh, bjorn Atkinson, and we recently are going to get dan thompson and uh a lot, a lot of other artists like Stephen Kirkwood, Matt Fax, thrill sequels, Jess. We have a quite a impressive roster, and uh, it seems that uh, we have now, with the state of Trance, we're going to have and Colony playing, which is really big. Plus, uh, there's also an event that's going to happen in Liverpool on the 15th of March, which is uh, going to have a lot of the guys from the FM epica And it's a very new, um, let's say concept because they're going to play, you know, all these guys from the beginning till the end with a kind of a diversity of styles from like from techno to progressive to progressive trance to trance to full on trance. So it should be something quite special, I think.
1: That's awesome. Wow. Congrats. Thank you. you. So you're, I can tell by, uh, you know, your, your story, though, that you're enjoying it. What has been the most rewarding in joining kind of the managerial and, and, and event planning side of things for you?
2: Well, I think the nicest part or, let's say, the most exciting part is that you get to connect with all these artists and, um, you know, kind of form friendships and try to push them uh, musically, musically and uh also I mean you try to let's say showcase the names you know in the venues and countries that you they won't let's say play that and kind of you know build the fan base and uh, of course after that if you're so you know you have the time and that to actually go to the shows and you know be a part of it and um, you know have a lot of fun and get into the whole hype of things.
1: And has there been any, have you run into any challenges with, um, getting more involved in in, in the industry like this?
2: Well, uh, they've had, I've had other, other people offer me some opportunities, um, with I don't know. We'll see if they will come to, to be, you know, throughout the year. I mean, they are just thoughts, let's say. Uh, but, um, being involved with all this stuff, I have written some stuff for people also. Like, uh, I did a bio for Fisherman for his official page. He asked me to do it. And I've had other people want me to kind of, um, write, uh, press, let's say releases for the artists and, um, Basically, also even from labels or artists, you know, they've asked me to kind of uh, write something about them or about the events or request for interviews and stuff like that, basically.
1: Great. And, and was this kind of a journey to get to this part career-wise or was it just you're happy that your passion has is, is allowed you these opportunities?
2: Well, uh I think if you'd asked me, like, um, I don't know, a few years ago, if I ever expected this would happen, no, I wouldn't expect it. <laughs> I was always into the music because I enjoy and love the music and have a passion for the music and the artists behind it and the hard work that they put into their shows and their tracks and all that. But to see that, um, you know... Getting involved with this and seeing things coming together and uh, getting more involved in the industry and forming friendships and all that, I think, yeah, it makes me really happy. And uh, I don't know. Let's see where it leads. You know, I mean, it's very exciting and makes me feel fulfilled. And I really enjoy doing this. I mean, it's something very interesting, promising, and uh, it means a lot to me.
1: I will. Congrats, and I, I really enjoy what you're doing. Um, so, in in I guess because I um you know I'm in the U.S. and things are interesting here. Um, you mentioned back when you first fell in love with trance in the '90s, and and how they were able to adapt to the music. Have you seen? I know music. In especially in electronic music, has changed over the years. Do you, is trance still kind of a niche genre there, or is is it more respected than maybe I would realize? Or as here in the U.S., it's it's a, it's kind of well, uh, you may have seen it's hard here in Arizona to, to get trance. Um, so are are you seeing? People enjoy trance, or like you said, is it just all different genres?
2: Well, uh, basically, I mean, because uh, in Europe, I would say that it's alive and healthy. You know, in like in in Holland, in in England, in Prague, uh, Czech Republic, uh, in Romania, it's got a rise in trance. Uh, in most of Europe, I think trance is going quite well. Uh, in Greece, it's kind of always, it's always had this kind of stigma as being kind of, um, they, they kind of, if they're not 100% sure what trance is, they get it, they think it's something like how psi trance is, mostly psychedelic, how they used to call it back in the day. And they have this idea that trance is kind of uh, drug people, druggies and stuff like that. They still can't quite figure out that there's got so many sub genres of trance. Uh, if they're not, you know, into the scene, if they're not really, they haven't explored the side of trans. I mean, if they hear trans, they think it's something else, unfortunately. I mean, if you disguise the word trans and you call it, I'm going to call, I'm going to play a progressive house and it's a trans party, they'll be more like into it. But if you say trans, they think it's something, you know, to do with pill popping and stuff like that. Unfortunately, it still has that bad, supposedly, reputation. Uh, for the people that are not too keen on how things are in the industry. But I think in the rest of Europe, I think things are pretty good. And uh, I mean, I saw like it in transmissing in Prague that I went for the first time uh, last year. And it was for The Awakening. That was an amazing event. It had people from all over the world there. Uh, it was more or less full on trance the whole night. and uh, I think it had a great vibe, lots of energy. The people loved it, you know, and you could see flags from all over the world, you know, coming even from even from Mexico. And I mean, it shows that there's still a universal love for trans music. So it's very good to see that, yeah, people are really into it and embracing it. And they haven't gone towards, I don't know, other genres like techno or uh, Deep House or stuff like that.
1: So do, do you believe, do you believe in, in trying to figure out a way to educate people to eliminate the stigma? Or do you more just kind of like that people who are you know, intellectual enough or um, really are looking for trans music to eventually find it? Because um, there seems to be kind of a debate on how to expose others to trans or just to keep it kind of as it is, kind of a niche genre? What are your thoughts?
2: Yeah. Yeah, I think it's like, yeah, lots of people prefer to be kind of like this, um, let's say, trans family that it's, you know, a select, let's say, few or anyway, like a group. And others are kind of opposed to that and they want, you know, to be more wide open, you know, for everybody to be a part of it. Uh, I think both ways, uh, actually... The best would be the best of both worlds, in other words, I think yes, you could it would be it is healthy to bring more people into the that kind of music and to explore it and to understand it because of course, you want more people uh involved, so you'll be able to it will continue to thrive because you know people might start dropping out and things aren't the same but The only way to actually do that would be with more, let's say, vocal driven tracks or, you know, kind of slowly, slowly to get them into it till they get into the, let's say, the harder type stuff or anyway, the more melodic. So I think the best way to kind of get people into this would be uh, some, you know, more L play by, you know, trance tracks on the radio it doesn't have to be, you know, stuff, you know, uh, non, uh, you know, instrumentals, uh, to be instrumentals or stuff like that. It could be stuff, you know, with a nice vibe and uh, vocal-driven ones. That that would, of course, draw the attention towards trance. And then someone actually likes it could get deeper into, you know, the rest of the style and kind of understand, you know, what there's got a lot more to trance, you know, there's got... Quite a, a lot of diversity actually in the whole genre. So anybody can follow, you know, from what they want that way. Some people go, could go towards the darker stuff, the techial stuff, the more vocal stuff, the progressive. It's got endless possibilities. I think that when someone discovers trance, he can find exactly the style that he likes the most out of it.
1: And have you seen. Um, issues with with certain fans uh, kind of being what I like to call elitist um, in terms of only liking or or trying to convince others that their type of trance or their labels their their favorites are the only ones you should pay attention to and that others are not as good even though they're technically trans. do you see that? in Greece or or in your travels in Europe as much? Or is that more like the internet driving that? Well,
2: I think the internet has a lot to do with it. I see it a lot, you know, with, I mean, there's got the, let's say the hardcore fans that could be a good thing, but sometimes they can be a bit, you know, dismissive of other artists and they miss the general vibe of how things are will and kind of supposed to be. Uh yeah, I've had a few experiences. I mean, once in a while if you mention like an artist, let's say that you like, when asked, they might, you know, try to convince you that yeah, this guy's better or you know, ah, this guy's no good anymore, or stuff like that. I mean, even I remember one time being at Ministry of Sound and um something having a conversation with some random guy and he was like, Ah, oh, you know, he asked me, you know, when was the last time I was at Ministry? And I kind of mentioned that, yeah, I was here to see Marcus Sauls, And uh, like that, he was like, ah, Marcus, yeah, you know. He wasn't really a fan, you could see. But I didn't realize why some would have to, you know, go that way. I mean, everybody likes what he likes. Uh, you support what you like. And in the end of the day, don't go to the, you know, the people or the gigs that you like. Focus on the artists that you enjoy. And there's room for everybody, you know. Something like that is my general vibe of that, my idea.
1: I agree. I just it it's it's just interesting because maybe it is because we're all online and, and there's been a kind of push for trans family all over the world and online, and, uh, which is great. But to the extent certain cities or our countries are a little bit. More blessed than others. And what I mean by that, able to have more events than others. And so I've noticed that there's been kind of a people are getting spoiled. So then they think the artists that they like, that, you know what I'm saying? The vibes that I, I,
2: I have experienced. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah.
1: my opinion on it. But it's interesting because I, 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 you know, we're, we're both connected over this music years ago and. We're from all over the world. I mean, you're in Greece. We're, I'm sitting in Arizona right now. I mean, technology is a lens yeah. to this conversation. Yeah. So, um, so going forward, do you, do you think you, you want to continue, uh, managing artists and creating events? Is, is, is that really what your, your main job was beforehand or, um, what, what kind of was your background before, uh, you got into what you're into now? Well,
2: um, yeah, That I mean, basically, you know, I mean, uh, years ago I was, you know, working in uh, my father's store. And uh, after that, I started uh, running my own business, with his uh bakery. So I do that, you know, of course, every day. And uh, all of this to do with music was always my passion and, uh, you know, of course, my basic interest. And it always will be. And, of course, yeah, I mean, everything that I do uh, with Transfix, with, uh, with the managing and all of that stuff, it's, you know, of course, on my other time. And, of course, I enjoy doing it. And, yeah, I, I of course, I want to get more involved and uh, put more effort into it and, you know, try to realize uh, more things. And, yeah, if uh, I can keep on doing that and uh, growing while I do that, yeah, I'm all for it. And uh, I'll try the hardest I can to, you know, keep being an active part of the community and to keep on uh, pushing my love for trance music and dance music in general. And, uh, yeah, I think it would be uh, very interesting. And let's see what the future holds.
1: I'm ready for you. I'm really uh, excited. (laughs) Um, I know we both love trance, but... I would be remiss if I didn't mention other genres. I, I you know, we t- we talked a little bit about house, a little bit about techno. Um, are are you into a lot of the other genres as well? Um, kind of the evolution, the different sides, the different, yeah, way of progressing. Maybe even in a set. Um, you know, we 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 see Marcus Schultz do a big rabbit hole part of his open to close, which actually is my favorite part, and most people would say that's more melodic techno than it is trans. Yeah. Uh, so what are your thoughts on, on the blending of genres?
2: Yeah, I think it's a good thing. Uh, as long as it's done, you know, as a, more or less, kind of, like you said, like in a journey-like uh, way. Uh, of course, yeah, the, the OTCs that Marcus does and uh, especially he the, the way he does it. Yeah, it's a, an evolution over the night of uh, a few kind of similar genres, kind of, you know, coming together harmonically and uh, building up the tension and, of course, throughout the night. And, um, yeah, I think it's a good thing. I mean, of course, uh, progressive and uh, melodic techno, the pure techno, tech trance, progressive trance, all of that can be put together. Uh, I mean, if you think uh, in the past, uh, they were always doing that, but, you know, more because it was not so much of a diversity uh, in the scene. I mean, you'd have some guy that you'd play like a techno track or a techno, let's say, trance track that would fit with a trance set. So it was always being done. Maybe not, you know, um, how, you know, now in these days, they kind of like they book a a trance artist and he's expected to play trance all night long or for two hours or whatever. Uh, but I think, yeah, that it gives more room for experimentation in the DJ sets. It gives more way for artists to be able to connect, you know, and create maybe more interesting tracks, like like the fusion of uh, techno and trance, kind of like the alchem Knights. I mean, they kind of created a whole new sound with what they do. And I think uh, both techno and trance fans could relate to that. Uh, you got Alec Prids that he's doing his own thing, and it's finding his, his tracks have been found in the, the way into trans artists' sets. And it's kind of become like a perfect uh, amalgamation of uh, the artists and, uh, you know, using, fusing those sounds, the sets with these sounds. And that way they have more liberty to be able to uh, build those sets appropriately. As in, if you started off only with trans, they would kind of be the same while there's tempo all night. I mean, yeah, you'd have some of the slower stuff, but, you know, you need a little bit of the others to kind of be able to heighten or, you know, decrease the way of the set. So, yeah, I think it's a good thing. And if it's done right, it's the best thing.
1: I agree. I mean, it's, just, it's just curious um, because uh, I've experienced Recently, people only liking certain genres, but maybe it's just the interesting experience I've had here living in Arizona. But um, so, what what are your thoughts going forward uh, for uh, trance music as a whole? Do, do you do you think it's going in the in the right direction? Do you think um, it's kind of lofty to put those put huge expectations for trance um, being that there's so many artists. Do you think that maybe there are too many artists right now? Or do you think that it's great like that? It's, I've just heard a lot of different opinions on yeah. the future.
2: Yeah, I think it's a good thing um, because uh, that way uh, you wouldn't want, like a let's say, a select few artists doing kind of basically... The same kind of thing, because even as good as it might be, after a while, I think the fans might go, you know, tired of it. And they want things to kind of, you know, change a bit or kind of become more fresh. And, um, yeah, I mean, lots of people like the classic trance sound. It's great, you know, but you kind of want things to evolve a bit in the right way, of course. I mean, over the years, you know, trance has evolved. And become different. I mean, I remember the classic trance sound what you hear in way back, like what stuff what Oakenfold was playing and Tiësto was playing. And um, now it kind of things went tend to tended to be like in 2005 more melodic and um, kind of a hype uh, mixture of progressive with melodic trance which was kind of stuff like how Andy Moore was making and stuff like that. And then we saw things kind of going to another direction, kind of more techie. Uh, and, of course, the vo- the rise of the vocal plants and all of that stuff, towards even the side plants and stuff like that. So things do change. And uh, you've got, of course, the people that don't want things to change and they want to remain the same. And then you got the others that want to see things, you know, in a different perspective and see fresh ideas come into the scene. So I think all these artists that, you know, have, you know, evolved and come up, come into the scene, uh, you see that they kind of take each one has their own, let's say, ideas or influences. And together with that, you see that they can uh, inspire us with new ideas uh, together with all the ideas and kind of create something else. So you have more of a diversity and, uh, much more interest. You know, there's more of a wider canvas that you can work on as in to stay kind of to the limited stuff, which of course, the technology has helped out because in the past, from what I know, everybody was using, you know, hardware to create music. And now everything is uh, with uh, synthesizers and VSTs and all that stuff that's been done uh, via software. So it's a lot easier for people to, Start to want to make music and to get into it. It's, it's not so, uh, you didn't have to put so much money into it. So that way it kind of put, it makes people want to become, you know, more artists around and to kind of create their own music. And, uh, so far, I think, yeah, it's great. I mean, you've seen so many people want to make music and uh, being exposed and new sounds coming. And yeah, it's a good thing, I think.
1: Well, I, I, I just love the evolution and all of that. Um, recently, as you may have noticed, I've had some conversations with um, people who are, we know, and um, I get the feeling that there's this kind of debate between what an artist should do. Um, so, obviously, like an Oakenfold, Tiesto, Marcus Schultz, Barry Corson, all then, like The list goes on. Um, they came from kind of the era of DJing, turn producer, and we're kind of starting to see like the new generation producer turn DJ. Do you think that yeah. has a bearing on on the scene? Um, because it's they're two different skill sets. Obviously, both feed off each other. Um, but w- what are your thoughts on that kind of reverse role?
2: Well, yeah, uh, I think that uh, yeah, of course in the past uh, it was the DJ uh, entertaining the crowd and kind of providing the entertainment for the night and or uh, well, this giving the fans a journey, he knew how to build the, the set and to create you know a whole element to the night, as in we all know that uh, Marcus is more or less known for doing stuff like that I mean that's what gave him. That of his credibility as a DJ because he was so good at building a set and I think people with that background they knew very well how to uh, you know entertain the crowd and to play you know uh, what they you know what they might want and be able to read the crowd. I mean they were skilled into this thing of course later on they were to create their own music which is natural. I think everybody wants to do that. That anyone that loves music, he at some point or other he kinda wants to create his own music. Now, yeah, I know what you mean. If we had um, situations like with Martin Garrix and people like that, that they created like a a track and you know it went over well and then they maybe they did another one and then they kinda start getting requests for gigs. And you have this guy going out and supposed to play for a crowd when he has no knowledge of you know, leading the crowd or building a set or any of those things, which is kind of a difficult situation because he has no experience in doing so. And that could lead to kind of basically uh the audience expecting if they were not, you know, into how more this how everything salted, they expect to hear an artist come out and play, let's say, all the hits and more high tempo stuff and kind of like that's it. And this is bad for the the art of DJing because the DJs are more or less supposed to start off from the beginning if it's one artist, or at least the opening act, do his thing, and then build up the set throughout the night. And, I mean, someone that has been into this stuff from, the let's say, the beginning or anyway, along the way, knew that this is what is expected. And so when you see some artists, let's say, might go and play like for two hours and they kind of play a fast paced uh, set with you know all the stuff that are on beat or stuff like that it's not a good thing i mean you want someone to have a bit of diversity you want the vocal tracks you want the the soul stuff you want um, the higher you know energy because that's that way you can really you know build up the tension in the crowd and get everybody you know Really to expect to remember the night in the end and say, yeah, you know, that was a unique experience. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think that maybe these producers, they should kind of, you know, study how it was done or at least, you know, experiment and do stuff like that. So you keep the art of DJing alive. Otherwise, it's like, you know, we're going in a different direction which necessarily i don't know if it's a good thing or not
1: yeah i kind of agree because i find the no well there's two parts i find djing really interesting because obviously the evolution that somebody could bring the journey as we've talked about in a set but on the other hand i understand wanting to produce your own music and and kind of incorporate that into your sets as you constantly are traveling or DJing or whatever it may be. But to kind of um, piggyback on something I've talked with other artists about, it seems interesting that everybody has their own background, whether they came from DJing or producing, but their opinion on how to go about that and and what it creates. I mean, we what I'm getting at is... uh, I feel like there are certain artists out there, and the way the scene is, is that people force themselves into doing gigs to stay relevant, but it might they might not provide the best music or the best journey. And I don't know if that's just me being in the scene or just how things like you mentioned, Martin Garrix, or you know the, the EDM crazes people. Describe has heard, yeah. um, and also you know you're you're starting to see that there's more DJs coming out, especially after the tragic death of Ibty last year, about yeah the mental health of the business side of things creating problems. Um, I know Armin Van Buuren has acknowledged it. I know a few other artists, Gareth Emery stepped back. Yeah, I mean he's still course they're still doing stuff but they realize maybe um so what are your thoughts on artists like that, like Avicii who was an amazing producer that was thrust into DJing, but he had people around him that preferred to make the money than pay attention to the man himself and how he was feeling about it. What are your thoughts on yeah. like mental in the industry?
2: Yeah, I think uh, they're absolutely right about that. I think, I mean, you see that once someone gets, let's say, popular, of course, for them, yeah, you could create uh, lots of tracks. Unfortunately, the situation with the tracks is that, with music in general, is that um, you're not going to get the kind of money that, you, you know, would be able to allow, you know, to continue. So, gigs and events in general are what kind of put you, you know, on the map. And you need to take gigs to be able to stay, like you said, relevant, and of course to, you know, to get the fans, you know, give them what they want, and to be able to, you know, keep evolving as an artist. Now the problem with that is that, as you mentioned, yes, it can lead to very stressful situations, anxiety, and all that that you saw that happen in the scene. And yeah, because the pressure is very real. I mean, I talk with artists you know on Facebook and stuff like that and yeah I mean you see that these it's always kind of like they might have pressure to finish off a track send it to the label to go to this gig you know I mean if you are the let's say the harder you work the harder you let's say are more success you're more successful and things elevate but at the same time the expectations are higher and if you are let's say a person that is more emotional or uh, you know, you can't deal with all the situation. It might it might lead to depression. It might lead to, uh, I don't know, alcohol, drugs, stuff like that, depending on, of course, what kind of person, uh, you know, how he is as a person, of course. And I think the right thing to do is, from what I see anyway, is to kind of be involved but kind of pace yourself. I mean, and the industry of course should understand this. And the artists themselves that you cannot do everything, you know. I mean, you cannot sit and uh, run, you know, forget your sleep, forget this, forget everything, and kind of put everything into that because I mean, you are human in the end. You will crack. You will not be able to do everything. Maybe this is why some artists, you know, they hand over, let's say, maybe the artist pages to you know other people to handle them or you know, the musical accounts or stuff like that and all why they get managers to deal with, like I said before, bookings or other things like that. So they can be able to take away kind of some of the pressure because at this point, the artist is more or less supposed to do everything. In the past, it was the artist was being discovered and the manager was doing everything for the artist. Now. I mean the artist might be must might have to be involved into doing everything if he's you know wants to succeed and I mean there's so many hours in a day and he has to make music and he has to maybe work someplace if it's not his full time job and you know plus with family with friends with everything and all that might lead to a very stressful environment for the artist and maybe he decides you know to even leave the music altogether. Even if he's qualified to do it, he might do it. I've seen a guy that he was creating a lot of pretty good music. You know, he was, he had a good sound and everything, and he kind of more stepped back from everything. And he said that, I don't know, at some point he might return, but right now he prefers to kind of, kind of stay out of it, you know, get into hiking and nature and photography and stuff like that. And, you know, maybe it's at some point he will return, but you see that at least the good thing is with all this that people and the industry are starting to understand the situation that these people are into. I mean, as fans, fans might see, like, I don't know, someone like Marcus Salls, for example, uh, as being like, wow, what the life he lives. You know, he goes to all these countries. He travels. He plays for so many people. He has a great time. But, I mean, being at his events... And seeing him, especially turn the open-to-close sets, its uh, I mean, yeah, he loves what he does. This is why he's so successful. He loves his fans, and uh, he spends time with them. He makes a point every single time to do this at his performances. But on the other hand, it's a very stressful uh, situation. And I know he loves doing it, but this is why the fans themselves have a responsibility, I would say, to embrace the artist, either via social media, messages, or even when you see them, make a point and, you know, feed, let's say, the artist's enthusiasm because it's a vital part of keeping the artist motivated and um, feeling, in a way, loved. So this is something I think that people need to do. And um, like this, that you might see on the Internet with people kind of, you know, the debates about the favorite artists and, you know, the hate sometimes that comes through and all that. I think people should forget that and people should get into, you support the guys you like and you love and drive them to keep on going. And, you know, there might be some low points in some artist's career or personal, but I think if you love them and you respect their music and them, you should kind of try to motiv- motivate them. And don't remember them only when they're, you know, successful, but remember, motivate them even in the darker days. I think this is what is important to be done. And that's way, that way the artist can keep on doing what he loves and the fans can be entertained at the same time. And it's a win-win situation, basically.
1: Awesome. Well, I think on that note, and positivity that I, I love, I agree. Uh, we should We should wrap up. Um, obviously, I'm going to put links to um, the blog. Is there anything that we may have missed where uh, where people can find you on social media?
2: Uh, yeah, you can find me on Facebook with uh, as cross as W. vulgaris. Uh, I have a SoundCloud account, but as you know, it's my you know when I produce some uh, music, it's on various labels. But I haven't had something new since 2017. Maybe throughout the year, I'll have something else coming out. I'm working on various projects, so we'll see about that. Um, yeah, on Transfix, all my reviews all interviews are under the name uh, DJ S-Dragon. So if you see that name, that's I've, I've done those reviews. Um, yeah, I, I have, of course, my own blog, but I haven't updated that in a while. And, yeah, uh, you can see about, if you search Epica Artists on Facebook, you can find our roster and all the artists we're involved with. And, you know, keeping up to date with those guys as well. So, yeah, something like that.
1: Awesome. Well, thank you again for, for chatting with me. And hopefully, we can do this again in the future. And uh, have a great day or night.
2: Yeah, of course. <laughs> you're, you're most welcome. It was my pleasure to be on uh, your show, and uh, I hope uh, everybody that uh, will listen will enjoy it. It was a pleasure doing this, and uh, yeah, let's keep on uh, keeping plants alive, you know, and in general, the dance music, you know, uh, community to keep on, you know, being what it is and only positivity and good music.
1: Agreed. Well, I will talk to you soon.
2: Okay.